Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. When you have a teenage daughter like I do, a junior in high school who has a real flair for having a good time, a girl who could come out on the far right side of the popularity bell curve if only her mom and I would leave her alone, and who is all too conscious of this fact. When you have a daughter like that, you find yourself talking a lot about the Christian life. Let me put that another way. You find yourself lecturing to her a lot about how Christians are supposed to act, (laughs) what they are supposed to do, and what they are not supposed to do. The question, what would Jesus do, just seems like a pretty good question for me to ask her as she is headed out the door for the evening, even if it is met with a condescending roll of the eyes. See, when Christians talk about the structure of the Christian life, the nature of the Christian life, we often use this kind of language. That is, we characterize ourselves as people who do certain things and don't, or at least shouldn't, do others. And even unbelievers know the difference. Christians are supposed to be honest, hard-working, caring people. We're not supposed to lie or cheat or steal or treat others cruelly. And again, Jesus is our best example of Christian living. Think what Jesus would do and then do that. That seems like pretty good advice, especially when you're trying to pull back on the reins of a high-spirited child. You see, we use this kind of language of doing not only to make people feel guilty, although it works really great for that, but we also use it to encourage and guide other people to live as the kind of people that they have been called to be. And so all this kind of talk about doing certainly has its place in our Christian lives. But today... Paul gives us something different, a different way of thinking about the Christian life. And as he thinks about it, he thinks about it in terms of his own situation and his own experience. He doesn't give us a lecture with a bunch of facts for us to memorize. Instead, he gives us a personal testimony. He talks about his own experience so that we can begin to think about our own lives in the light of his. Instead of talking about the Christian life in terms of doing... Paul talks about it today in terms of knowing, not doing, but knowing. More specifically, he talks about the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. Now, it is tempting to think that Paul is talking about how great it is to know about Jesus, about the facts of his life death and resurrection, about how everything is worthless compared to that news, about how we as Christians need to tell other people this news so that they learn it and live it as well. But that's not really where Paul goes. Knowing for him is not so much knowing the facts about something, but knowing, kind of like when we say, I have known hunger, or I know the feeling. It is knowing more in the sense of experiencing. And specifically what Paul knows, what Paul experiences, he describes as the power of Christ's resurrection and fellowship in his sufferings. 
In a nutshell, participation in Christ's suffering, death, and resurrection is the experience that marks Paul's life. When Paul says that he desires to gain Christ and be found in Christ, it is Christ's death and resurrection that he is talking about gaining and being found in. And in that way, he comes to know Christ. Now, when you think about it, that's a rather surprising way to describe the Christian life and an odd experience to claim to have. But death is what Paul seems to be talking about when he says that he has suffered the loss of everything for the sake of Christ and that he considers everything as loss because of the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, his Lord. Paul has lost everything that he once held most dear. His own righteousness, his own place in the world, the center of his most cherished hopes, his very self lost. The Paul he knew, with all his pride and presumption, was dead. And his death, Paul says is not something that only happened in the past, but something that continues throughout his life. Paul died and dies. He has considered everything as lost and considers it all as lost. The past and the present are tied together in Paul's experience. But just as Christ didn't stay dead, neither does Paul. So Paul, as often as he dies, rises. Paul suffers the loss of all things so that he might be found in Christ, which means experiencing his righteousness, his vindication. This is the victory that faith brought Paul, and it was his resurrection. Knowing Christ and being found in Christ is so surpassingly great because it brought Paul new hope. It brought Paul a new life and a new identity. And this birth from death is what Paul experienced in his present life. Paul has been raised and rises. Paul dies and then rises from death. And so in another place, Paul can say, I have been crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Now, Paul doesn't talk about his own experience for nothing. He wants you to understand that this is the shape of your life, too. And he wants you to think about that and draw hope from it. Remember that in your baptism, the Holy Spirit has conformed your life to Christ's. You, too, have been crucified and raised with him. Christ's death and resurrection is your life and death experience. You, too, because of baptism, have been found in him. You, too, know Christ like Paul did. But knowing this, then, you also know that being a Christian, as Paul was well aware, also means dying daily. Death, dying with Christ, is a recurring experience in our life Our pride and our presumption continue to haunt us. We continue to admire ourselves and expect to be rewarded accordingly. And so we must continually be humbled before God, put to death as it were, judged and condemned as sinners that we are before him. The old Tim must die so that the new me can be raised up. Christ humbled himself to death. How can it be any different for me? And so the Holy Spirit brings me the death of the old me and the resurrection of the new. He brings me the experience of Christ daily, moment by moment in repentance, where my ego dies so that a new me can be raised up with Christ in faith. 
So Christ and his death and resurrection shape our lives. And we never get beyond that because we never get beyond our sin and God's judgment and the humbling reality that any reward we have coming to us rests securely and only in the resurrected Christ. This daily death and resurrection, what we receive in absolution, confession and absolution, what we receive in Holy Communion, this daily death and resurrection is the Christian experience. Repentance and faith, death and resurrection. And this experience clarifies for us our ultimate hope. For the death and resurrection that we experience in our daily life anticipates the goal about which Paul talks today and for which he strains. That goal, death, to be followed by this glorious, magnificent resurrection of our bodies is our upward calling, our destiny too. Amen. Now may the peace of our Lord Jesus Christ, which passes all our understanding, keep your hearts and minds together in Christ Jesus. Amen.